0: Alright, Matthew 26, we're going to get back in the passage here and uh, go down through. We're started here at verse 50. Um, again, just so that we have it in our thinking where we're at. Uh, it's been a long week and everything with the Super Bowl and stuff, you might not quite remember where we're at here. Uh, the Lord is approaching his uh, the crucifixion. He's been in the upper room with them. He's had a Kind of a special Passover meal with the with the apostles because the night that the actual Passover is to happen with the nation, he's going to be hanging on the he's going to be dead and buried and in the ground. <laughs> so he has a he has a pre-Passover, if you will. He has a Passover meal with them, and uh, he's uh, left the upper room now. He's moved out into the Garden of Gethsemane that the oil press there and uh we begin to see the literally the life begin to be squeezed out of the lord as he prays in the garden he takes peter and james and john a little further um and uh, there's always uh <laughs> there's always a big thing about that that uh, these guys were uh a little s- more spiritual and smart than the other ones and and actually, I think, I think if I remember right, it was J. Vernon McGee said, no, they were a little more hard-headed than the other ones. <laughs> so um, they, they, they move over. And, and, I mean, if you think about that, Peter, commercial fisherman, James and John were too. And uh, they were the sons of thunder. And you don't get that nickname by being quiet and meek and mild. You know, you get that from, t- you know, that's what they always say. The preacher kids are the worst. But they get that way from hanging out with the deacons' kids, you know. So, you just have to, you know, put put the moniker where we're at. So we we're we've uh, been up in the upper room, where now down into. And by the way, I don't know why the Lord focuses on Peter, James, and John. He does, and uh, I'm sure there's a legitimate reason for it. Uh, I don't I don't have any reason to think that. They were just the special ones in the group. I know Peter is the leader of the Twelve, and James and John, that, the, the sons of thunder, and the voice, uh, the word of God, and so forth are there. So there's some of that as well. But now uh, they're into the garden. By the way, Judas has left. He has gone to do the devil's work. He's made the agreement. They've come up now. He's, uh, they're in the garden Uh, they look at the the lord says hey who you looking for and they say jesus of nazareth and he says i'm he blows them back they stand up get all their sticks back up and their lanterns and everything and uh they ask him again and he says it again and just kind of lays them out and judas comes up gives him the kiss betrays him uh, reveals that and uh the so they're often running. Judas has made a big show out of the kiss. By the way, the kiss there wasn't to be a big show, but Judas made it a big show. In verse 50 now, And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And, and again, this is that last appeal by Christ to Judas, to his conscience, um, it's still not too late for you, Judas, but yet he still went ahead and chose to betray Christ. And again, Christ calls him a friend. And uh, that, we looked, I think, last time, John 15, where he tells them, you're my friend, I'll die for my friends. Judas is not there. He, Judas has already left uh, in John 13 so that's kind of where we are. The, the thing about Judas that always gets kind of left or gets murked up in all of this is Judas is responsible for himself, for what he did. People will say, well, Christ hardened his heart. You know, no, Christ didn't harden his heart. He's actually offered him a, an olive branch, if you will. Hey, you're still considered one of the guys. And yet Judas still, on his own choice and free will, decided to betray the Lord. Uh, Judas is responsible for what he did. Christ isn't. God isn't. Only Judas. He was the betrayer. And usually what happens when people talk about Judas and that is that they run back to Exodus where Pharaoh... And God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, how does God harden Pharaoh's heart? Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Proverbs says that a a man that's constantly chastened, and this is my version of it, constantly rebuked does what? Hardens his heart. So Pharaoh heard the word. He was getting the message from Moses, and he's just getting madder and madder and madder. God God didn't reach in Pharaoh and override his free will. Pharaoh did it himself. Judas here does it as well. Now, if you'll notice verse 50, they they come and laid hands on Jesus and took him. They didn't come up to him and said, would, would you please come with us? Now, he's done laid them out twice now. You would think they would have been afraid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly but they weren't they they just they come up and took him they these guy he's just again he's just laid him out he's got the head coming head hunting happening and all that and they come up and they just they throw the shackles on him and they cuff him and stuff him if you will uh, hawaii 5-0 book him, dano that's the whole thing here that's what he's doing here so they don't come up and ask nicely. Now they're, they're a little rough with him. But again, he's just laid them out twice. So, so really they didn't take him. He did what? He went willing. He submitted to it. And that's really going to be the issue that's going to happen here now between the Lord and Peter in this conversation. Verse 51. And behold, one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Now come over to John 18, because Matthew doesn't tell. Matthew just says some guy that was with him did this. Well, John 18 comes along, and we're going to get some uh, a little better information, if you will. The fellow who had drawn the sword was Peter, and uh, the servant of the high priest is Malchus. John 18. And verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. By the way, that is the only verse that tells you who did it and who was impacted. And so what a reputation to have if you lived in that time period that you're the guy that had his ear cut off and the Lord who we just crucified, healed you. I mean, could you imagine? Hey, and guess what? He healed with no scar. So you, they, somebody said, hey, yeah, I got my, head, my ear healed. They would say, show me the scar. There is no scar. So you've got that. That's just, anyway, come on over to Luke 22. Well, actually, go back there to Matthew 26 for just a minute. So they, they're going to come in here. The Lord puts, uh, he puts the right ear back on. He names him. His name is in Scripture. And, you know, so you can go and check the records uh, if you ha- get into the laws of authenticity and all that historical facts and so forth. And you can go and see the accuracy of the event. Now, when Peter draws the sword, it's not one of those big, you know, round table knight swords. It's more of about 18, it's like a bowie knife. A hunting knife. It's, it's not... Okay, so you think about... Now, Peter is a commercial fisherman, so he's well... You know, Peter's mantra is attack first, ask questions later. You know, do it and then beg for forgiveness later type thing. So if you think about Peter and Malchus there, he's head hunting and Malchus ducks and he takes off the right ear. In Matthew 26... Peter is swing. When Peter swings that sword, Malchus ducks, and a little the 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 ear comes off. And the issue in all of this is Peter is ready to fight. He's ready for action. He's serious about what's going on here. In in Matthew 16, he's already told the Lord, "I ain't gonna let you die." Matthew 26 here, verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Verse 35. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said also said all the disciples. Here, here Peter, Peter is ready to go, and he's ready to defend the Lord. Now the Lord is ready to go to Calvary. All right? Peter, he's not ready for the Lord to die. The Lord's been telling, remember when we went through there, the Lord says, as as it is written, I have to go do this. (coughs) As it is written, you guys are going to deny me and be offended by me. And Peter's like, I don't care what the Word of God says, it ain't going to happen. And the Lord says, Yes, it is, Pete. Three times the cock crows, you're going to do this. But the thing is, come over to Luke 22. Peter's ready to go to, he's ready. And he's ready to fight. He's ready to to defend the Lord. So don't catch, sometimes the commentaries paint Peter in a bad light, and he's don't let him do that because he's not. He's ready to, to stand there and to take a swing at the chief priest's main servant. You know, you think about that. Judas has been up to, to the chief priest, got his 30 silver, and, and the chief priests Caiaphas and Annas there, they say, take Malchus with you so we make sure that you do what you told us. We paid you, now you, we gotta have you know, <laughs> proof of it. And Peter's ready to defend the, the situation. So the question then gets to be, why did they have a sword to start with? Why are they bringing a sword to... Uh, the meeting here Luke 22 notice if you will verse 35 Luke 22 35 and he said unto them when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes lacked ye anything and they said what nothing that's Matthew 10 he when he sends them out in Matthew 10 what did they lack absolutely nothing then said he unto them, But now, he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Isn't that interesting? Now, this is, gonna, this is all around the garden time here. And actually, he's going to go down in the garden in, 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 in verse 39, 40, and 41. So timing-wise is right where we're at in Matthew 26 verse 37 for i say unto you that this that this that is written must be accomplished in me and he was reckoned among the transgressions for the things concerning me have an end in other words it's time for me to the time for me to die is here they're going to they're going to go they they are going to consider me a thief and a robber a transgressor a crook crook and they're going to come and take me verse 38 And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Now, they're going to miss the point. He's telling them something here. What did he say there in verse 35? When I sent you without person, script, and so forth, did you lack anything? Back in Matthew 10, did you lack anything? They said no. He says, okay, now, but now, right now. So Matthew 26, today, I've got to go die. And you guys are going to have, I'm going to go die. The Holy Spirit's going to come back. Until that happens, you're on your own. you got to have script. you got to have a sword to protect yourself. I'm, think about this. He dies. He's resurrected with them. What, where did these, what are these guys going to do here in the garden? They're going to leave. He's going to ask for their release. You're going to need the sword to protect yourself. It's interesting in verse 36, Then said he unto them, what? but now. Great dispensational phrase, isn't that? See, when you understand right division, you kind of catch this. Because what's the Lord saying? Back here was like this, times have changed, and we're here now. The situation is changing. You're gonna need a sword, you're gonna need some money, you're gonna need some you're gonna need some provisions. And it's gonna be this way until the Holy Spirit comes back for you. Over here in the acts and the situation is changing now when we get over in the early acts period guess what it's going to change again cuz now you got the holy spirit protection there got all this going on now look at verse 49 when they which were about him saw what would follow they said unto him lord shall we smite with the sword they're ready to do what with those swords? Defend the Lord. Fight. And what does he say? Come, come, come over to John 18. By the way, that's when Peter whacks the guy's ear off. Is right there. The point is, Christ told them to go get the sword for their own protection. What they missed was it's for their protection, not for His. Because what does he say to Peter? Peter put the sword up. Put it away. That's not (laughs) wrong. You you miss. And what happens, uh, look look at John 18. Look at verse 8. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. In other words, guys, you want me? You let my followers alone. You you let them leave. And again, the idea is, is that the crowd came to get Christ, go back to Matthew 26, but also to round up his followers. And we'll see this in Matthew 26. And he's like, look, guys, you came and got me. Let them go. So they get the sword. They're thinking they're going to protect Christ. And what does Peter do? He does, goes head hunting. But in reality... He says, look, put it away. Matthew 26, notice, if you will, verse 52. Then said Jesus unto him, to Peter, put up again thy sword into, notice, his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now, what happens is, is this verse gets used with and about the issue of of uh, that you shouldn't have a gun. and it gets twisted around and, and people use this passage to say, see, Christians ought not have guns and all this stuff and you got to you know turn the other cheek nonsense. You know, I ne- the Lord never turned another cheek. <laughs> Paul never did. Peter surely didn't. and the guys, when he says, put the sword in up into his place, that he, what he's saying there is, is put the sword in its rightful place. Now, where is the rightful place for the sword to be in? Well, Romans 13 tells us the government. See, the government is design, All The rightful place for the sword is in the hands of the government. Romans 13. If you go look at Romans 13, the sword... The rightful use of it belongs to the government. The emphasis here in verse 52 is on that word, take. For all they that take the sword. That is, people who arbitrarily, illegally resort to violence are going to end up dying a violent death. Genesis 9. All the other countless passages where God has ordained that the the issue is not owning the gun. Okay? The issue is the use of the gun being illegal and not appropriate. So the issue there is that the sword belongs in the hands of the government it doesn't mean that you can't go to war and you can't declare war you can't go do the, the the patriotic duties and so forth and and we studied that here last year 2019 2020 you know military service is scriptural and it's right and it's ordained by god it's not in a vain thing it's not a violation of any passage when he's talking to Peter here, is he's like, look, guys, Peter's done pulled the sword and he's head hunting, and he's saying, Peter, you're out of line. You're 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 doing something that you ought not to be doing. And really what it is, is, is a rebuke to Peter. Verse 53: Notice the rebuke. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. <laughs> Think about it. Peter, you're down here with a toothpick, and I can just call the Father, and he'll send me 72,000 angels. A legion is 6,000 in a Roman army. 12 of them, 12 times 6 is 72. Last time I did math, you know, carry the 1 and minus the 8 and do all the new math stuff. You get there. 72,000 Peter Peter you're missing the point. I don't need you to defend me. I can go I mean, you think about that angel back there in 2 Kings kills 185,000 in one night. I think just a little gathering of peon humans over here wouldn't be a problem. You know, Samson goes in there with that jawbone of the of the uh of the ass, and he kills all the hundred and something of them. You know, it's Peter, you're missing the point. That's the point here. Peter, you're missing the point. If I needed some force and help, Pete, I would just lean on the Father. So I don't think I, I don't need you with your little bowie trying to, your little sword here trying to do. Notice verse, notice where the Lord's thinking is, though. Verse 54, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? You see, Peter defending the the Lord was not the issue. The issue here is how is the scriptures being fulfilled? It's like the Lord looks at him and says, Peter, if if all I needed to do was to be delivered, I could speak the word and I would be delivered. No problem at all there. But the problem is how would the scriptures be fulfilled? And when Peter hears this, this is when Peter kind of falls apart. The scriptures said that Christ was going to go and die. The scriptures have said that all those with him would forsake him. The scriptures said that he's going to be numbered amongst the transgressors. Peter is missing what the scriptures are saying. He's not listening. And that's why the, the Lord here, with this, he's beaten the point home. Peter, it isn't about me being delivered from the situation. The issue is the word of God. And the word of God being accomplished. And Peter doesn't have that straight yet. If you remember verse 31, Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written. And what did Peter say, verse 33? nuh I don't care what the word of God says. Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Peter forgot the word. Christ is reminding him. Jesus says, verse 34 there, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the crock crowth thou shalt deny me thrice. What's he say? Not so, it just won't happen. I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Peter's denying the word of God. So the issue is God's will. The issue is God's word. And that's the thing that, that Christ is counting on. You see, the scene in the garden isn't this big. It's a dramatic scene, don't get me wrong. And it's touching. But Peter and the disciples are in the wrong... They're, they're like, we got two swords. You know, don't you know Bartholomew's over there going, where's mine? Didn't somebody pick one up for me? You were at the ammo dump or the, the, at the gun show or the gun store. You could have got, weren't you in Walmart? You could have went by the, the, the sporting department and got a knife. They still sell knives at Walmart, I think. Okay, you, you know, they're looking around. We only got two, there's, there's 11 of us. Come on, you know, and that's not the issue. Verse 55, Matthew 26, 55. In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophet might be fulfilled. Again, the issue is the word, and having the word fulfilled. This was the hour of his submission. This was the hour that the power of darkness had come, and he was going to... Submit to it, and be and be submissive to the hands of now sinful men. They come and take him. They didn't come and take him. He allowed them to come and take him. What? Well, how do you know? He could have called seventy-two thousand angels down here. It was no problem. He's done twice. Blew him over with I am He. So it isn't a matter of power. It's a matter now of submission. Ver, the end of verse 56 is telling. Then all the disciples, what? Forsook him and fled. They would have called that in the military a tactful, a tactical retreat. And that ain't exactly what had happened. Come over to Mark 14. It's, it's interesting. I uh, was reading Mark the other day because that's the next book we're going to study, Mark 14. Notice verse 50. Mark 14, 50. When when he said, let these guys go, you're here for me, let them go. And then Matthew, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. How'd they flee? Watch this, Mark 14, 50. And they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man. Now, by the way, the commentaries all say that this is John Mark. And uh, the guy who goes shows up later with Barnabas and Paul and all that. How they know that I couldn't tell you. But anyway, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young man laid hold on him, and he uh, and the young men, sorry, laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled with them naked. <laughs> From them naked. How fast did they go? not not too they didn't walk away they were running the, the, so fast this is where the expression about a guy losing his shirt it comes from they're literally taking and running here they are the dark of the night the crowd's there the crowd grabs them started grabbing the disciples and 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 now, John, if it is John Mark, just kind of think about this. He was not in the upper room with him. But as the crowd comes into the g- garden, the idea is, is that there was a great noise and rumbling, and he lived close nearby, so then why he's naked and only has a robe on or something is because he came from home. Well, they start grabbing, and what does this guy do? He's, boom, I'm out of here. So much so, he lives his clothes back there, and he's running. Now... That's how fast these guys were running. They split out of there quick. And when you come back to Matthew 26, that's my point, I guess, in that. Is that they, he, he didn't care what they, he left and what they got. He's booking. So when he says here that all the disciples for, forsook him and fled... They took off. Now, it says all the disciples, that includes Peter. And that is something that has, you, you can't miss here. He says, Peter, put up the sword. It isn't for me. It's for your own protection. I'm good to go. I could get deliverance from the Father if that was the case, but it isn't. I'm going to go surrender on purpose. I'm going to quit because this is what I came to do. Because the issue here is what God wants done. And Christ's purpose is to come and do what the word needs to be done. They fled. They left in a hurry. They're running. And you know what Peter did? Peter ran too. After making his big boast, I'm there, I'm with you, I'm with you. I'll do this, I'll do that. And yet he turned around and what happened? He's gone. And he, comp- Peter has completely forgotten about the Word of God. He's disregarded uh, the Word of God. He's gone on and off in his own will, his own human viewpoint. And uh, he, he, goes out that, he goes out of that garden, book, he's leading the way, running. And, uh, and you know that by the next verse, in verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him, where? Afar off, under the high priest's office, and went in and sat with the servants to see the end you see peter wasn't peter wasn't with him he was where afar off they booked out ran around the corner looked back said okay it's safe nobody's following us and let, let's watch <laughs> from the distance they see the lord be led away and peter uh, come over to john 18 or back over to john 18 peter and uh, john are going to follow behind now what's going to happen here look at john 18 and look at verse 15 john 18 15 then simon peter followed jesus and so did another disciple that disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with jesus into the into the palace of the high priest so the other disciple was john and they come they get jesus Everybody flees and runs from the garden but Peter and John they kind of stay outside the gate area there again I can just see them peek, you know peeking around the corner <laughs> you know and when the mob drags him by Peter and John follow as they go and they first go to Anna's if you look back up at verse 13 uh, verse 12, then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first. For he was the father in law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. First, they take him from the garden to Annas. Now, we don't know what happened with this first meeting with Annas because John is not in the room, there's no disciple in the room. Okay, so we don't know what happens there. But it's different in verse 15 when they go to Caiaphas because John knows Caiaphas and goes in. Verse 16, but Peter stood at the door, where? Without. John is actually going to go in with him. Now, they forsook him in the garden. Peter and John catch up with the crowd as he goes in to Caiaphas, he, and John actually goes right in with him. But Peter, Matthew 26, 58, Peter sits outside the gates there with the servants. But he does so to see the end. You see, Peter, he just loved the Lord. He just wasn't the kind of guy who was just going to quit. He's frustrated, he's confused. He's offended. How in the world could the Lord just give up? He's mad. He's all tore up. And he's just going to now follow the mob. And he wants to to see what happens. Follow him to to see the end. Peter just couldn't leave the Lord. And you can see that here. Verse 59, now the chief priest... And elders and all the councils sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They get an ad hoc committee together. They get an impeachment trial. (laughs) They get all of this going on. Now you have to remember something about the Sanhedrin. That's who we're talking about here. Not everybody in the Sanhedrin went along with killing the Lord. You remember Joseph of of, uh, Arimathea? He's the one that's going to give them the tomb to bury him. Remember Nicodemus? You know, he, he was a member. But remember John 12 over there? The, they kind of had to keep quiet or else they would get, you know... Uh, today we would say they would get canceled in the cancel culture. Okay? But So they had to keep quiet and so forth. So these guys are there. Now, they come together. If you look back up in Matthew 26... Back up at verse 3. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said not on the feast day. They, They are going to kill him, just not on the feast day. All right? So that's what they were talking about. That's when Judas makes the deal to betray him. They send the mob out to get him. They come back to Annas. We got him. We've got him. They want to kill him for political reasons. Again, remember what John, in John 11 there, what Caiaphas said, hey, he, it's okay if that one man should die for the nation, then the whole nation perish. We don't want to lose our place up here. Our politics, our economics, and all of that And that's what they're really talking about. They want to get rid of him because they see him as a threat to their political, religious, economic establishment. So what do they do? That They, hey, let's just get rid, let's kill him. Let's just move him off. By the way, remember, this is in the dark. It's at night. And religious devilment is always done in the dark, quote, Unquote. It's always done under cover. Getting before the council where the people can't hear his answers. It's always fascinating to me when I see religious people do stuff behind the cloak, behind a closed door, and you've got to have the okay to go in. You know, it's not open where everybody can see and do. It's always behind a locked. That's why when social media took off, a lot of guys, a lot of grace guys were doing closed meetings and stuff, you know, locked rooms. And one of them was my a real dear friend of mine. Um, and I said, man, I wouldn't lock the door like that because it gives an appearance of something not right going on, especially from a scriptural viewpoint. So he unlocked the door and made it an open group, which was good. And then he got he, I, I understand why he, he didn't want all the drive-bys and the people just dropping bombs on him and stuff. And when we did, uh, what was that goofy thing we did the first time? Uh, pal Talk. And we did that for a long time. And, you know, you get the drive-by guys. And, and I understand that, okay. And he finally shut it all down. He just had had enough of it. But that, origi- that, that what's done behind the closed door thing, and that's that religious issue here, so here, Matthew 26, they've got Christ in the box. He's in a little room, and uh, they're going to go after him. They're going to go get some false witnesses. Verse 59, now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Now, the, the first issue here, the first problem is they have, they have to get two witnesses, Because that's what the law requires. By two or three witnesses, every matter is to be established, the law says. But they can't get two witnesses to agree. (laughs) So, verse 60, but found none. They're looking for witness, to bear the false witnesses, but they find none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none." They couldn't find any false witness, but at the last came two false witnesses. If you come over to Mark 14, by the way, you find more details in Mark, Mark Luke, and, and in John. Mark 14, Schofield Notes has a great uh, note about the order of events around the crucifixion and so forth. It's very fascinating. Mark 14. If you look at verse 56, same thing here. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. So they got a bunch of they they got they got one witness to lie about Christ that Christ did this or he did that, but then they couldn't get another witness to verify. Actually, the next witness would say something else. Go back to Matthew 26. So, verse 59, but neither... I'm sorry, verse 60, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. And said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, that phrase come over to John chapter 2 and see where he says this and see what these witnesses guys did to this uh, (coughs) testimony here. Because this is what what the the council is now going to use and say, see, look, he's blaspheming. He's saying he's God. And they're going to get him. John chapter 2, watch verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, that's the Jews, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building, and dwelt thou, uh, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Now, verse twenty-one is John's little. He John always made these comments all through John. When we studied John, I tried to show them to you because they don't get what he's talking about. By the way, notice it's this temple. In Matthew, the, the account is the temple. Because what does John say? But he spake of the temple of his body. You see, they don't understand what he meant in verse 29. I'm, I'm sorry, in verse 19, when he said, in verse 20, they say. Verse 21, there's, this, there's a little editorial comment that John writes. And it's real obvious that verse 21 is what John is saying. And most of the time, again, when he does this, at the time they didn't understand what he was talking about. So these two guys come in back in Matthew 26, and they misquote what he said. Again, destroy the temple. He didn't say that. He said destroy this temple. See. Did he say he was going to destroy the temple of God in John 2, 19? No. He said, if you destroy the temple. See, Jesus answered, John two nineteen. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. See, he's, he was talking to them. They take his doctrine and they pervert it. They twisted it. They distorted it. So back in Matthew 26, they take him, and now they're going to attack. Okay, they didn't play the whole video clip; they only played a, a portion of it, edited down, right to where they needed it to say. Okay, when I was in college, I took a, I was in a. My major was a communication major, um, at, in the very beginning, and we learned how to edit uh, radio tape. You make a radio. And you could cut it, and I could make the. You could make your. You could make what was said not sound anything like what was said by just knowing right where to cut it and put it and paste it. And we learned how to do that, and we actually had a lot of fun with our instructor. He was a great sense of humor, so he would read uh, Shakespeare, and record Shakespeare, and he would just read it like normal voice. And we would go in and play with it and make it all sound funky. Thou shalt be for whatever you're, you know, just you know, have a good time with it. Anyway, back, back to Matthew twenty-six. They're going to take it now and they're going to attack. Verse sixty-two. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness? What is it which these witness against thee? What did they they witness against him? Lies. They didn't tell the truth. They bore false witness. By the way, that violates one of the top ten commandments. Yet they're doing it. But you know what they have? They have a special dispensation from the chief priest. Verse 63. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God. That is, I put you under oath. And before God, you're going to tell me the truth. I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Great question. Love the answer. Jesus said unto him, thou hast said. (laughs) You said it you know that that was just dripping with sarcasm, you know. Did you figure that out all on your own there, Caiaphas? Is that a doctrinal statement that you are saying, or are you just curious? Which one is it? <laughs> now you go over to, you know, come over to, come back to John 18. I guess I should have had you stick something in John 18, huh? Mm-hmm. I hear the mumblings in the room. John 18, verse 19, the high priest then asked Jesus, now notice, of his disciples and of his doctrine. Notice that carefully. (coughs) They wanted to know about his disciples, and they wanted to know about his doctrine. When people want to come after you, because they they did this to Paul, they're going to do it to you and I, they want to know about your doctrine. They want to know about your friends who stand with you. They want to know about everything. That's why Paul, 2 Timothy 1, says, don't be ashamed of uh, of, uh, the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. See? You're going to stand. Tell us... Tell us who was in the room with you when you said this. Who was there? John 18, 20. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whether the Jews always uh, whether the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing why ask thou me ask them which heard me what i have said unto them behold they know what i have said that you think about where the lord is sitting he's tied up he's chained up sitting in a chair in the middle of the room of his enemies and he just gives it right back to him he's basically saying look i'm telling you the truth here guys verse 22 And when they had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou, the high priest, so? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Boy, what? He goes, that officer smacks him like, How dare you talk to the chief priest like that? Don't you know who he is? And the, and the Lord just says, look, if I've, done, if I've not told the truth, then let's get on with it. But if I've told the truth, why are you hitting me? What are you doing to me here? You see, there, th- that's the issue here. The Lord looks at them, and, and go back to Matthew 26. And that's what's happening here. And what you see in all of that is a picture of what religion does. And uh, that's what you're looking at. By the way, that's also what human nature does. When, when the ruling party says, Who you, who's on your side? Try to snuff out their enemy. Matthew 26, 64. Jesus answered unto him, saith unto him, thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blaspheme. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Isn't that fascinating? Now, notice the passage carefully. He says there in verse 64. Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man. Remember those two things, those two positions? Sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. You know what he's saying? I'm Messiah. And I'm going to come sitting on the right hand of power. Psalms 110, verse 1. And... By the way, Psalms 110, verse 1 is the psalm where he says, uh, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies your footstool. David said unto his Lord, Lord, sit thou. Matthew 22, we've already seen that. He's he's Jehovah. That's who he says he is. Then he's going to come in the clouds of great glory. Clouds of heaven, that's Daniel 7, thir- verse 13 and 14 there, where the ancient of days, God the Father. He goes, to God, he goes to the ancient of days, the God the Father, and he gets the kingdom, and he comes in, cl- in the clouds in great glory. We, those two positions, we, when we went through Matthew 24, Revelation 6, that mid-trib appearance, he's sitting on the throne. Then in Revelation 19, what's he doing? He's coming back, so you're gonna sit. You're gonna see me sitting in Revelation six, and you're gonna see me coming back in Revelation nineteen. And he's just laying... Now, the 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 council gets no clue what he's talking about. They might have an inkling about Psalms one hundred and ten, but they have no. But they have something because what? Because they said what? He's blasphemed. Look Listen to. He's claiming to be god so what do we do with him we kill him let's kill him he just gives these guys a a little stick with the with the with the sword of the spirit and uh what does the priest do there in verse 65 the high priest does what rents his clothes come back to leviticus chapter 10 watch this when, he, when the high priest tears off his robe, he, doesn't, he does something that he never really thought about. He screams out in horror at the, at the assertion that Christ has made about his deity and being the Messiah, and he rents his clothes. And he does something by rending his clothes that demonstrates the spiritual... What's happening spiritually in the nation of of Israel? Leviticus 10, verse 6. And Moses said unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and to Ithamar, the sons. So Aaron, those guys are the high priest. There they are. Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes. All right? So don't rip off your robe, lest ye what? Die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. Isn't that interesting? What's going to happen if they rend their clothes? They're going to die, and wrath's going to come upon the people. When the high priest, go back there to Matthew 26, when the high priest of the nation stood there before the Lord, he had the Lord tied up, Bound, smote him on the face with a palm of the hand, and yet the Lord says, I am Jehovah. I'm the Messiah. And when the Lord makes that ass- a- a- assertion there of his deity, and this guy screams out, tears off his robe, what he's doing there is... He's showing the fact that the priesthood is dying and that the wrath of God was coming. And guess what was happening? That's what's happening. That's why in Acts 2, Peter's going to say, save yourself from that untoward generation. Get out of that crooked, perverse, messed up nation over there. Luke 11, Christ calls these guys a generation of my wrath. And that's the reason here. In Ma- it's here in Matthew. Because there stands the king. And there stands the nation rejecting him. And the result is symbolized by the rending of the robe, the clothes here. And that's the jeopardy now because the priesthood is going to die. By the way, who is the real priest, high priest? Christ is he 's going to do what with the old the old is going what fadeth away, and here comes the new that old priesthood, that old system is going away and here comes the new Hebrews, the new the order of Melchizedek and all that chiefly high priest and all and, and he 's sitting right there and it's that new priesthood that 's going to pop up by the way in Revelation seven, there is a new priesthood that comes in. And there they are. Back to Matthew 26. A lot going on here. Matthew 26. Let's just kind of wrap up here, and we'll pick up. Verse 66. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto, the, unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? And they This begins the mockery. This begins the abuse. They've already tied him tied him up. He's bound. They've dragged him all over the place. They've slapped him around. They're they're speaking disrespectfully to him. Uh, they're, They're really going after him. And from here on, really to the cross is a constant badgering of the Lord. Constantly, always, boom, boom, boom. And it's important as we go forward and as we move through here that we see this issue that these guys are not going to let up. They're going to press the issue. Now, when this happens, come over with me to 1 Peter 2. Let's do this, take about five minutes, and we'll be done. We'll pick up here, finish the chapter next time. Look at 1 Peter 2. The rest of the chapter is is about Peter denying the Lord, so we'll do that and get on into chapter 27, okay? Look at 1 Peter 2, 21. For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, notice that it's important to see this, to get us into our thinking, because when Christ goes through the stuff he's going through, they're hitting on him, they're buffeting, they're spitting on him, He is going through as a lamb before his shears dumb. Isaiah. So so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah 53. As he goes through all these torments, as we move forward, you know what he does? He takes it, he suffers. Now, most of the details of the agony that the Lord goes through is not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is found predominantly in the Psalms, in the book of Isaiah, Psalms 22, Psalms 38, Psalm 69, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 53, and so on. By the way, Matthew is in the Old Testament. Okay? But most of the, the the reason why we know that his beard was plucked is because of Isaiah 50 verse 6 the reason we know that his feet were pierced nailed is because of Psalms 22 the reason we know that he gives us back to the smiters is Isaiah 50 the reason we know that stuff is not found in Matthew Mark Luke and John it's found in the old testament okay and that's important to remember as we continue through because he's gonna, it's going to get dicey as we go forward. Um, and that's just how the, uh, the adversary is going to work. And it's going to be important as we go through this that we remember that this is a spiritual battle. It is a physical battle, but it's also the spiritual battle between... The adversary and the, and the Messiah on the Calvary. That's why I tell you, I've told you before, these passages, as we study through the Gospels, we ought to be as familiar to them as anywhere else in the Word of God. Because, man, if you, it's just that tremendous, the stuff in Romans 6, 7, and 8, the identification truths, that code, death, burial, and resurrection we have. And we ought to know exactly what he went through. Because physically, we might not ever see it in our lifetime, but spiritually, that's why Paul says um, Ephesians. Ephesians 6, verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Spiritual wickedness. See? So we have, that's the issue here. So just as we begin to see the... The, the attitude here and what the Lord is going to take on, we need to know a lot about it. Now, you, you go back there to Isaiah, you go back in Psalms, and you begin to see his mental attitude about it, and you know what it always is? Let's fulfill the Word of God. What does the Word of God say that needs to be done? That's what I'm going to do. He goes in, they want to give him the, that little drink in the very beginning, and it's... it's, the, it's uh, it's kind of like our, it's, it's kind of like our morphine, dull the senses, And he says, no." So he has no dulling effect on him as all as he goes through the events. Why? So his head's erect. He's quoting scriptures. Finally, at the very end, he says, "I thirst to get him, because he's got to fulfill Psalm 69 <laughs> over there, so they'll dip it in the vinegar and give it to him. But, and then he does what? Bows his head, gives up the ghost, and it's done. All the time he's aware of what's happening. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he knows what the word of, the, of God says, the word of the Father, and what he has to do. So when we think about... Galatians 2 20 I see it on the back wall there the faith of the son of God that's what we're seeing here as we begin to move on now next time we'll get into verse 69 we'll see Peter some things there move into chapter 27 where they make that final wonderful boast about his blood be on us and on our children kill him we'll take the we'll take the hit and uh Pilate does. Pilate caves instead of being a a man of uh, conviction. Okay? All right. Dearly, Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for the study, for the look here as we begin to look into the pivotal point, the crisis point uh, of all of humanity, of all of the history of humanity. And that is on your way to Golgotha, to Calvary. And... Die for the sins of your people, but also the sins of the world. In your name we pray. Amen.